0: listening to bow down to us the comics edition
1: a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs you know who you are and here's your host vince and hello again everyone this is issue three of bow down to us the comics edition it is september the first it's yeah it's comic book day but let's we don't really care about comic book day right now it's bow down to us day today the new site has officially launched my sidekick has stepped up to near heroic statuses and gotten everything working fantastic <laughs> okay, well, job roger go I take a nap
0: i yeah i don't i don't know that you can say everything working it's damn near everything i'll accept but not everything yet all right well ev- everything that yeah really matters at least well we can see your reviews that's basically yeah. all that matters like i said everything yeah, that matters my point exactly <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So anyway, we're going to dive straight in. We had a very momentous occasion this week. On Monday, Joe Quesada celebrated his 10th anniversary as editor-in-chief for Marvel Comics. Now, 10 years ago, Marvel was completely bankrupt. They were done as a company. And they brought in this guy, Casada who had done some editing here and there. He, Nobody at the time really knew who he was. He was an artist. And they promoted him to editor-in-chief and... It blew people's minds. But he came in. He made a lot of great changes. He brought in some fantastic talent, started hiring some big authors from Europe, brought in Grant Morrison, for better or worse, brought in Mark Millar, started hiring some great up-and-coming writers like Brian Bendis and Ed Brubaker, and now look where they are today. Those are the top writers in the industry, all because Quesada saw their potential and brought them in and gave them big titles to work on. So now we have 10 years later. Marvel is by far on top of the comic industry. So happy 10th, Joe. Hope we get 10 more, 20 more, because I don't want to be reading these Marvel comics if you're no longer involved. I think that
0: that's um, exactly what you said is it's so important in business and people don't realize that it doesn't matter if the person is an artist or a writer or whatever. If the person chose the talent to run a company or run a project and the the secret to that is the team that you work with. I obviously have learned that and it's why all of you guys are working with me on Bow Down to Us. The secret is find exceptionally talented people and then allow them to do what they do best. So that's what he did. He went out, got the talent that was required, and is allowing them to do what they do best. And we're seeing the fruits of that by virtue of these fantastic series that have come up since he's taken over.
1: Yeah. And, you know, one of the most controversial things that he did at the time, and no, I'm not talking about the one more day Spider-Man storyline. I'm talking about his focus on the trade paperbacks, the collected editions. If you look, starting at around 2000 is where you got the, you know, the six issue story arc, the story arc that was perfect to be reprinted as a collection. and. A lot of people hated it at the time. A lot of people still hate it because they see as a diminishing factor of the monthly issues. Who's going to go out and buy the monthly issues if they can just wait to get the collected editions? But I feel it was brilliant. I would not have gotten back into comics at all if it weren't for the collected editions. How – I doubt before 2000 you saw Spider-Man and the X-Men on the shelf at a Barnes & Noble. It just didn't exist. So it put these books in the hands of new readers It gave a great way for people to really go back and read, you know, catch up. They've done collected editions previous, but it had just been like encyclopedias almost. Here's 100 issues of X-Men. Go have fun. So giving something that somebody can pick up, read, and then perhaps go back to the monthly issues or even something that can supplement the sales of the monthly issues was, in my opinion, a great business decision.
0: Well, the thing to keep in mind with that too is that regardless of whether or not it's the monthly issues that are selling or the trade paperbacks, the fact remains, it's selling. So they're not basing their decisions on whether or not a a series is going to succeed solely on those monthly sales. They're also going to be looking at those trade paperbacks. That has a huge impact on it. And the idea of being able to introduce comics to a wider group a wider audience by virtue of having them available in all manner of different places now of course that's going to
1: be good for sales and that's what they need yeah and like i said it's worked marvel was bankrupt and they are now far and ahead the tops of the comics industry dc's doing well but on a month-to-month basis marvel is just creaming them left and right so let's go ahead and get into this week's discussion uh, we're going to throw back to some previous comics we talked about and we're starting off with more wonder woman that's right last week saw wonder woman 602 come out and it was i believe our second episode where we talked about issue 601 and about how the pacing was a bit off and they focused too much on the backstory and not enough on the character well this issue was all about the character all about diana and her quest to become wonder woman now first of all some great news she lost the stupid jacket that jacket was the dumbest part of her costume, and she's, it looks like they finally cast it off, and now she has some funky arm wraps. Really? It just Can she just have, like, bare arms underneath the jacket? Who puts a jacket over tie wraps? Anyway, though, I actually really liked this issue. It did what I wanted in the first one and really focused on the character of Diana. Remember, she's not Wonder Woman yet. This is a younger version of the character in an alternate Dimension, timeline, universe, whatever. And she's growing into what we as the fans know as Wonder Woman. So I think this is a great stepping stone. I just wish that it hadn't been following up that really weak first issue. Okay, see, I wasn't as impressed as
0: you. The reason I wasn't as impressed is because they used age-old cliches in terms of her speaking to the gods and then oh, they're cornered, it's like Butch and Sundance, cornered, and they're going to get killed if they go out. And yet the the heroine, okay, spoiler alert, alert people, okay, that, that she she goes out, and again, it's that, the, the the cliche of telling, no, you guys all go, I'll take care of them, even though they've made it clear that no one person can survive against them. No, no, really, you guys go hide, I'll take care of this problem for us. And then the same thing where it's oh, nearly beat and then somebody didn't listen and tried to help and get shot and then it sends her into a murderous rage and then she clears a SWAT and they're all gone. And it's, you know, how many times have we seen that? It's it's a cliched moment to build up a character and make them seem oh so heroic that they went against the odds and because of this they managed to beat everybody. I, I, I don't like that. I don't buy into cliches very well anymore, and that's exactly what this felt like.
1: Well, I mean, from my point of view, cliches have just become pretty much part of the comic industry. I I will agree it's nothing that we haven't seen a thousand times before, both in and out of comics, but it happens. I just liked the character herself in this issue so much more than in the first one. And what it comes down to me is between Marvel's top three characters, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman... She's probably got the best comic on the shelf right now, which isn't saying a whole lot about Superman and Batman, because as much as I loved Superman at the start of his new story arc, I'm sure you've read that review for issue 702, and I'm kind of tired of the guy right now. So as far as DC's Trinity is concerned, I feel that currently, as well as building towards the future, Wonder Woman is probably the best of the three right now you know what
0: though you've said over and over again that right now the strongest ip that they have is the green lantern and based on everything that's happened so the, i mean holy trinity you didn't even add him in there and the ones that i've been reading of him as well as i mean even the new green arrow i've been enjoying those a damn sight more than i have this series now granted yes i've only read two of these wonder womans but i gotta tell you in all honesty they have not impressed me in the least when just to show you when i read it in the show notes i was like oh god not another woman wonder woman (laughs) and and it's because i'm finding that it is far too cliche. And I understand that there's cliches in all comic books. it's just a fact of life. But when they're making it into such a big deal and they're expecting their audience to be moved by this or to think something, you know, has that epic sense about it and it's all just one big old hokey cliche. No, sorry, I there's there's far better ways of handling it.
1: Yeah. And and that's been an issue with DC for the last several years. Yeah. Like I said, Green Lantern has been their most popular character and there's nothing wrong with that. But when you've built your company on the image of these three characters, just like Marvel has with Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, and yeah, even Spider-Man as well. Those characters really need to be performing at the top level, not just writing-wise, but also sales-wise. And DC's not seeing that right now. Like you said, their best characters are, I don't want to say the B-listers, but not the highest of profile ones. Everybody, whether they've read a comic book or not, knows who Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman are. So they really, really need – DC, more than Marvel, really needs those top three franchises to be at the top of their company. And they're not right now. But I think at least for Wonder Woman, again, I feel it's moving in the right direction. Yeah. So we're going to move on. We are going to touch on another comic we've talked about recently, and that is X-Men Legacy 239. And I'm actually going to let you run with this one first, Raj.
0: Well, goddamn, hold on. You could have gotten, given me a chance here to find it. i got to scroll in my iPad. Find it. Find, I'm finding it. I had it open. Hold on one second here. I thought you would want to talk about Shadowlands first.
1: We're we're gonna get to that. Would you would you like me to talk about Shadowland first? No, no, I got it, I got it. Okay, because it's, it, this it's is second me. to it, the I'm, show notes. That exactly means we exactly my it
0: point. But that's all right. I'm prepared now. Oh, now so now, hey, now ten I'm, minutes the show. You're prepared. That's good to know. Yeah, but this is all outtakes. Don't even worry about. it. <laughs> <laughs> We've been short on outtakes, anyways. So happen. yeah, no, I've got to the uh, I've got it up on my iPad right now, and I'm looking at it now. Case in point, once again with this series. I don't want to spend too much time talking about the art because we've been doing that quite a bit with comics lately, <laughs> but it's the same artist, and I feel exactly the same as when we talked about the last issue. The art in this is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Well, Now, when you tie into this the fact that this new mutant has the ability to be bending light and creating things and whatnot, you need to have something that's well-drawn that you know people are going to be impressed with uh, I don't think they did quite enough with showing off her her abilities in terms of bending the light to, to do things um, case in point when she's writing with light when she's talking to magneto later I don't think that I think they could have made something far more impressive but uh, but hopefully that'll come along later on the story itself was just as strong as the last one It was, in in fact, I would go so far as to say stronger than the last one. When you're looking at the relationship between Rogue and Magneto and the conflict therein, it's really well written. You can feel it. And you you can feel that the writer has a very good grasp of the characters as well. That despite the fact that Magneto is trying to do good, he still has this he's still somewhat morally bankrupt in some ways and is willing to do things that the other characters would have a problem with and and in fact they do in the story um and so i found that very good and then again the story with the 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 main character what's his name again the, uh Paras yes wherein he has to get married again very very well handled with little hints of there's something going on behind there that we don't know so yeah the um the the big surprise finish was something that I because I haven't read all of the back issues for this one yet I'm not familiar with all this. So, uh, I have no idea who those guys are either. So Okay, good to know then. Because it was like, <laughs> I just saw that and I said, okay, well, I would assume this is bad, but I don't know. I don't know any of these guys. So, okay, well, I feel better then. The story as a whole, again, I was very impressed with it. I think that um, the weakest of the bunch is actually this person that's come through this, this time warp or whatever the hell it is. I think she's actually the weakest link, and I'm hoping that that will get better. As it stands right now, though, the the team that we're seeing and even the supporting characters with his family in uh, Mumbai is absolutely phenomenal. And it is a series that actually now I'm hooked on it. After only two
1: episodes, I'm hooked. I'm loving it. As long as they
0: can keep this writer and artist,
1: I'll keep buying them. Uh, I have to say, overall, I felt this issue was a little weaker than the previous one. Just uh, on a couple points, like uh, the other two kids, Anole and uh, Loa, they pretty much disappeared in this issue. And really, Legacy is supposed to be about the supporting cast. So I didn't really like that they just kind of disappeared after that first battle against the Sentinels, which was cool. Seeing Magneto wreck Sentinels is always awesome. And I've asked around and still to this point, even though we've now seen her in battle, Nobody can tell me what the heck Loa's powers are. I, I went through that fight scene, that one page of her fighting the Sentinel, five times looking at it. I have no idea what happened in that scene. Yeah, it kind of
0: looks like she goes like she, I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell if she turns into fire or
1: if she shoots a fireball of some sort down through it. I saw her go halfway through a wall and then suddenly fly through the air and she went through the sentinel's head I, I don't know. Yeah I don't know if she yeah again see I don't know if she's sending
0: something through or if she is I or melting it along the way because you're seeing like what would equate what would be like fire or lava trailing behind her as she's going through so having never seen this character really I, I have no clue but she can put a hurtin' on a
1: sentinel's head let me tell yeah. you and lose the new character not liking her cool powers don't like the way they handled her character all that well having somebody show up and in their first issue just instantly get into conflict with everybody she comes across doesn't sit well with me and you'd think by now the x-men franchise would have figured this out because that's what they did with wolverine when he first showed up he just got in everybody's face and they almost killed him that's what they first did with gambit when he first showed up he was you know causing conflict everywhere and I still hate that guy so just as an X-Men fan I've seen this before and I know that when a new character shows up and instantly nobody likes them it's probably not a good sign for the future
0: yeah I again there's a lot going on there wherein you get the impression that she may not be someone that would fit into the the X-Men group anyways that she would go and be part of whatever evil group there is now i don't know who is it is it still the brotherhood or who would be the, it, the it, it, there really isn't one <laughs> okay well maybe she's it then she'll <laughs> just but it,
1: make pretty pictures with light to scare people but yeah i absolutely especially on a second reading when i was really able to focus on it a lot more magneto was by far the star of this issue oh, yeah He was so well-written, much better than the way he's been handled in Uncanny. and Uncanny, it seems like he's trying too hard to make everybody happy. Maybe that's just because he's got Professor Xavier and Scott Summers looking over his shoulder. But he was pure awesome in this issue just not so much just being you know oh the the elder mutant now he's freaking magneto even if he's kind of being the good guy he's still magneto and that was so great to see and just their references with his previous relationship with rogue ages ago where they almost had a romantic connection and it's great that they're bringing back this old plot line and bringing it to the surface and the way it's been handled between those two characters Absolutely love it. I got to say, story-wise, X-Men Legacy is one of the best books Marvel's putting out right now.
0: I agree. I agree. I I haven't read quite as many as you, although I've been catching up. I'm, I'm My reading list is getting pretty goddamn long. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but in terms of just plain quality of writing, this series is really, really impressing me. If they can keep up this pace, then yeah, I'm very impressed. All
1: right. And with uh, kind of a short list this week, the last... Comic we're talking about is the Shadowland Moon Knight issue one tie-in. And I love Moon Knight. He's always been a cool character. I remember him from back when I was young. So they brought him back a few years ago. Great writing, great story, amazing art. They relaunched him uh last year. I, I guess the story was good. I don't know. The art was so terrible. I didn't I can't read Vengeance of the Moon Knight, no matter how bad I want to. And now picking this up. Dear Marvel, have Bong Dazo draw Moon Knight from now on, because I loved the art in this issue. Uh, Dazo, I've seen his work previously with Deadpool and some other comics. He's a cool artist, great with the action scenes. I liked the art, which allowed me to get back connected with this character that I like so much. And I loved this issue. We saw a lot of interesting character development with Moon Knight tying Purely into the Shadowland, which is something we actually don't see a lot in these tie-ins, is a coherent plot thread between the main title and the tie-in. The only problem I have with this issue is that, let's say I am a Moon Knight fan. Well, I am a Moon Knight fan. Let's say I'm reading Vengeance of the Moon Knight. Now, this issue is core to the future of the character. The stuff that happens in this issue is huge. So in order to know where this character I've been reading every month is going in the future, now I have to read a tie-in to a miniseries I may or may not be reading to get the full story of the character. As amazing as the story is, I don't like forcing your readers to buy a second issue per month for the same character. I was not as impressed as you, and I'll say why. Now, that's not to say that I didn't enjoy it.
0: In terms of the art, it can't be beat. I mean, the the, the art— was absolutely phenomenal the uh, the pacing was well done i everything it was very 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 well done especially i mean you're looking at some of these panels that have a lot of detail i mean we talked about this before i don't know how they crammed this much amazing detail in that short a time frame unless they'd been working on this for quite a while because it's very well done some of these cityscapes like when you're looking at the scene where they're floating in that and they're having dinner and there's an entire city below them now granted yeah i know that some of that is photoshop work and they're they're adding in their 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 windows and all that but oh my god it's it's phenomenal very well done in terms of the story unfortunately see i i have no knowledge of this character whatsoever from before this i never read any of that stuff so this is all new to me taking that into consideration it is one messed up story. Okay? It, <laughs> that's that's the character. <laughs> I, and I can appreciate that. And I can appreciate that they're trying to um, write the story to reflect the mentality of the character as well. Because the story at times is all over the place. It's not making sense at times. It is bouncing around far too much. And for those who aren't familiar with the character, it's it's not making enough sense put it that way for us to be able to truly appreciate it there's a lot of monologuing that goes on in this this issue as well which again that's all well and good if the character is someone you can relate to or that you enjoy but if you're just starting the series off it's really it, it didn't work for me and then the antagonist here who is seeking him out again not a character that i really could care less about to be quite honest so I found that it really, it, it didn't do much to endear the character to me at all. And then everything that was going on with the antagonist and this new person that's going to be bringing out the Moon Knight, I really, I thought that that happened far too easily. So I didn't like that. And then the actual only tie-in to Shadowlands is at the very end. And and yes, it does directly tie into an episode or an issue that we, we read of Shadowlands where he is the cabbie that gets snatched up, but that's it. I mean, that's literally in the last couple of pages, the last four pages. That's when he shows up, smashes the thing, but then there's also pages or captions wherein it's his girlfriend, fiance, whatever she is, getting beat up, and that's it. So I thought that for a Shadowlands tie-in there really wasn't a whole hell of a lot of actual tie-in.
1: I'm actually gonna disagree with you there because yeah, as you said, we see at the end, he ends up where he is currently in Shadowland with Steve Rogers asking him to infiltrate the Shadowland fortress. But if you go back to the earlier scene, we see Daredevil instructing this other character to bring out the Moon Knight. And that that other character goes to the Shadow Knight, and that's how the story carries on. So the terrible things that are happening in Moon Knight's life, his personal life with his girlfriend, are all going to be traced back to Daredevil. And he is going to be pissed.
0: Okay, yeah, no, no, I saw that, but I didn't really think that a couple of panels counted As very much involvement at the beginning. And I and I I agree that in terms of story development, yeah, it is something that's going to mean a lot. But in terms of actually feeling the tie-in, it wasn't. It was a brief little literally two pages, one of them being a full panel page, and then of him saying to do this, and then that's it the rest of the issue the bulk of the issue is all of these things that are happening with moon knight and then the last few are him infiltrating back in so it, the bulk of the issue is though it may be because of daredevil's involvement they're, they're still completely removed from that in terms of the story pacing it's all just bad things happening to him
1: well i, I still feel overall it's it's a very good tie-in it's a nice bridge between the character's solo series and the miniseries. I just think it would have been better if this hadn't been Shadowland Moon Knight number one. If it had been Vengeance of the Moon Knight number 12, Shadowland tie-in, I just think it would have worked much better from from a fan standpoint. Obviously, this makes better sense as the publisher because, hey, you're going to sell twice as many Moon Knight issues this month. Yeah. But I liked it. Again, I really love the character, so I enjoyed it a lot more. I know a lot of the history about him. Uh, Mark Spector, he has come up with these different personas in his life to function better as Moon Knight. He has the rich playboy one who can finance all of his shenanigans. He has the the cabbie that we see, Jake, who is able to connect with the people on the streets. Unfortunately, he's not a terribly well-balanced person. And these personas that he created just for identity purposes actually started to split off in his head so (laughs) he is a messed up character and that does lead to some of the disjointed storytelling that we've seen but again as someone who knows the character it does fit the character the way the story is told fits so i enjoyed it apparently a lot more than you did just because i know and i love the character yeah all right so uh, we're going to come back to the last point here in a second we have our new releases today we have Brightest Day 9. We have Avengers Children Crusade number two. Finally, I, I remember them initially saying this issue, this miniseries was going to come out twice a month. I think it's been like seven or eight weeks since the last issue came out. That's not that's not good. We have one here for Roger Shadowland number three. Oh, yeah. We have the relaunch of Wolverine and Wolverine issue number one. The Road to Hell. Uh, okay, we'll see how that one goes. And I don't say this very often, but we actually have a couple collected editions I'm going to recommend this week. We have Transformers The Last Stand of the Wreckers. It was a mini series they did tying into the Transformers ongoing monthly series. Uh, the monthly series has been a little iffy here and there, but this mini series was phenomenal. They showed the tried and true method of if you have something that's pretty good at its core and you add in Transformers, it becomes awesome. <laughs> War for Cybertron on its own was an okay game, but the fact that it was Transformers made it awesome. The last end of the records on its own with you know generic characters would have been okay, but the fact that it's Transformers, it's instantly awesome. <laughs> eh, what? The and other- then- the second collected edition, we have the Dark X-Men miniseries. This was the team of evil X-Men Norman Osborn assembled during his dark reign as a overseer of the Marvel Universe. It was really cool. Uh, you saw Mystique and a bunch of like B-list characters becoming their own team of quote unquote X-Men. It was just really cool fun, uh, reintroduced some forgotten characters to the X-Men franchise. I really enjoyed it. but. The biggest thing about today, like we said at the beginning, is not about the comics that are coming out today as great as they may be, but it's about the new website. Obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, you're aware of the new website, but we're bringing in a lot of new fans from our previous work who may not quite be aware of what we do comics wise. Uh, I've been writing a lot of reviews lately, uh, catching up, and I'm going to try going forward to review one brand new release every week. But if you go to the reviews uh, main page on bowdowntous.com, you can actually suggest reviews for us. Can't promise I'll read everything if you want me to read something that I have no interest in. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But if it's something that I've been looking at considering, it's entirely possible I will review it if it's something you want to know more about all about giving back to our fans i'm more than happy to help someone out uh, we also have uh, suggest a novel which i believe you're handling right roger well actually either one of those as well like i mean you, oh uh, yeah i'm gonna
0: be writing some reviews now that things have finally settled down for me as well i'm really looking forward to writing a bunch of reviews for um, the variety of the ones that i've been reading including bad ones and good ones because i gotta tell you there's some bad ones i just want to rip into and i can't wait to put that down
1: into words Batman versus the Punisher. Oh, dude, that's going to be one of the first ones. (laughs) (laughs) And then we also have, just like our games talk, we have full-fledged features. Uh, We have two up on the website right now written by myself, my top five storylines of all time, and my quest searching for the perfect miniseries. And we actually have a third one going up in the very near future. Really uh, chronicling where the Avengers franchise is at this point in time in the Marvel Universe. Now, do you have anything in the works there, Raj? Because now that, like you said, you're finally done behind the curtain, maybe you can actually remember how to write something. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. No, i I'm, I'm. I again, I cannot stress just how much I'm really looking forward to starting to work on some some massive articles as well too. Not just in terms of gaming for the website, but as well for comic books. Um, I'm dying to write something about the War of Light. I didn't read 120. <laughs> issues for nothing (laughs) there's gonna be a series that comes out for this um So, yeah, there's going to be a feature for The War of Light. And for some of my favorite issues within The War of Light, I'm going to do individual reviews as well. That's just one of the things I want to do. Case in point, recently I finished reading both of the X-23 series. And having enjoyed them as much as I did, I'm going to be writing a feature on that as well. And then in the near future... I am going to be tackling Lone Wolf and Cub. That was probably my favorite series of all time. I remember reading them when they first came out, and then when they were reprinted several years back, I actually bought them. They were reprinted in um, the short, traditional, uh, almost like a a small paperback kind of uh, uh, size, and I bought them all. Now that was my actually my in between in that 25 years where I didn't read I still bought those when they were released because it was one of those things that meant that much to me initially when I'd read them so it's been a little while now it's been a good couple of years since I read them last I'm going to go over them again and I want to write a fairly in-depth feature on that that's going to take quite a while but it will be something that's going to be coming out simply because
1: that series deserves a feature and a damn good one that I can't wait for that because while I'm I know of Lone Wolf and Cub. I've read some of it. I'm not nearly as in-depth as you, so that's actually something and a nice change of events that you can teach me about. And with Bow Down to Us, when it comes to the comics, it's the past, it's the present, it's the future. We're interested in all of it. There's so much to explore. We're going to have tons of fun with it that's yeah that's very important because I've actually been
0: asked that by several people now asking whether or not we're only going to be doing reviews and features for new comics that are coming out and the answer that I've given time and time again is no the, the, the wonderful thing about again comic books is that it's so easy to pick up something from any period and then it's it's just as relevant in in some cases if the story's good it doesn't matter if it was written 10 years ago or if it was just written last week so uh, there's a lot of classic comic books as well that I know that I'm going to be touching on to write reviews on, as well as some series that I'm dying to write some features on.
1: So there you go. Visit us at bowdowntous.com. Read some articles, leave some comments, chat with us on the message forums, and then definitely come back next week for Bow Down to Us, the Comics Edition, issue number six. Ta-ta.